0: Good morning, everyone. This is Pastor Troy Bond with the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies. Coming to you live again once here from uh, Central Florida. I was going to say sunny. It is sunny. A little bit cool this morning, but it is good in Jesus. Good to have everyone here today. If you are joining us for the very first time, this is the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies, which is an expository teaching in the Word of God that comes to you live each and every morning from Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. until 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. We are presently in a, uh, in a year long nearly, I guess it is next month, studying the book of Romans. And we're going to be closing out the 12th chapter of the book of Romans today, which has been a great book. I don't know about you, but I've been challenged and, uh, really God is putting it, putting it to me where I need to be. So it's been great. And, uh, you know, I'm just looking for God to do some tremendous things as we continue in the book of Romans and, and march through these, these remaining uh, few chapters in the book. But thank you so much for joining us. If you've not been with us in the past, we're actually working on getting all those re-downloaded into a sermon player. So there'll be a, all 100, and uh, we got 100, what's this, Deb, 100, class number, this is 173. class number 173 today. So we'll have all of those available as we add those to it in an easily downloaded format without all the, the advertising junk that's uh, kind of plagued us in the past. So we're working on that, but if you want those, be sure you can email me at raven at biggrace.com. Raven, R-A-V-E-N, at biggrace.com. We'd love to send you a, uh, what it'll be is a DVD disc with just the audio. We won't have the video portion of the class, but we will send the the audio portion to you, free of charge, no charge whatsoever. We'll even pay the uh, postage and handling the 50 cents or whatever it is to ship it to you. love for you to have it, and you can play that on your computer. Then you can take it and burn it on individual disc or put it into your MP3 player to have your iPod, as Deb says. She is an Apple connoisseur, so she has an iPod. But anyway, you can do that, and we'd love to send that stuff to you. But if you have prayer requests, we're praying every morning from 5 a.m. until 6 a.m. as well. And uh, for live prayer, we'd love to have you there. If you have prayer requests, send those to pray, P-R-A-Y, at biggrace.com. Pray at biggrace.com. We'd love to lift up your prayer needs. To the Lord Jesus Christ Getting some great reports Uh, If you've not gone to uh, Raven East Coast blog uh, Deb will put that address up there Go in there and you'll get the the update on Pastor George uh, Moyle as well Man, God's just doing some tremendous things In his life And just some really some neat miracles that are happening uh, Along the lines that we've been praying for him So go to raveneastcoast.blogspot.com And check out the testimony on uh, Pastor George, doing some great and tremendous things. And plus, we'd like to hear your testimonies. I Man, if God's doing something neat, if you've got some testimonies of salvation, maybe some ministry that you're doing in different places, let us know. We want to, we want to post those things and, and give a shout out here on the, 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 Raven Institute and on the Tuesday Night Raven Nation broadcast as well. Because uh, we know that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of our testimony. And so your testimonies help us to be built up in faith. They really do. And so I love hearing about those. And so let us know what God is doing in your life. And if we could be any help to you as well. So, 12th chapter of the book of Romans. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Just ask for his blessing and direction on this morning's uh, teaching. And just uh, that he'll touch and heal those that have been sick in their physical bodies as well. Father, we just thank you for this day. Because this is, once again, Lord God, this is a day that has been set aside specifically for us, Lord God, for a specific purpose, Lord God, and a, your specific plan. <clears throat> and, Father, we just need our hearts and minds, Lord God, literally, Father, to, to be in tune with the Spirit of God. Father, we need to, to think like you think, Lord God, and speak like you think, and move like you move, Lord God, so we can do the things that you have instructed us to do in the name of Jesus. And so, Fathers, we come into this place today. We're just asking, Lord God, that you would just give us all wisdom and understanding by your Spirit, Lord Jesus. Father, I thank you, Lord God, that these, these spiritual things, Lord God, that we're looking into are spiritually discerned. Father, in, the, in the, the carnal man, Lord God, he cannot even receive those things because they are received spiritually. But, Father, I thank you, Lord God, that we have a teacher. And that teacher's name is not Troy Bond. That teacher's name is the Holy Spirit. And, Father, I thank you, Lord God, that the Spirit of God is what leads and guides us into all truth. And, Father, we just make ourselves a vehicle, uh, available, Lord God, as vehicles, Lord God, for the Holy Spirit, Lord God, to speak through. And Father, I pray this morning, Lord Jesus, that anything in my heart or life, Lord God, that would abate the flow, Lord God, of the Spirit, to, that's designed to bring uh, knowledge and understanding to us of the Word, Lord God. Father, we just put those things down in the name of Jesus, Lord God. Father, we ask, Lord God, individually, that you would just search us today, Lord God. God, try us, nor our thoughts, nor our hearts. See if there be anything within us, Lord God, that would prevent us, Lord God, from walking and living in righteousness. Any thought, any deed, uh, any any unforgiveness, Lord God, any bitterness, Lord God, any compromise, Lord God, whatever it is in our life, Lord Jesus, that's contrary, Lord God, to your righteousness. Father, we ask for your cleansing and forgiveness, and we turn away from those things right now in the name of Jesus. Father, there be things that we haven't even thought about, Lord God. Bring them to our remembrance, Lord God, and show us what we need to deal with, Lord God. And we're just asking you, Lord God, this morning, Father, that you would just flow and move, Lord God, freely in our lives. And Father, we just pray for those that have been sick in body this morning. And we just ask for a touch from the Lord. We thank you for the great reports that we've been getting in. And Father, we're asking you, Lord God, that you would just continue, Lord God, to to, to raise up the sick. Lord God, heal the blind. Open the deafened ears, Lord God. Touch the afflicted and the infirm, Lord God, by the power of the blood of Jesus, Lord God. And we thank you for these things, Lord God. And Father, we just thank you this week, Lord God. Just give us opportunities to share your word and, and, and share the gospel, Lord God, with the lost and dying, Lord God. Just give us a, a heart and a vision, Lord God, to touch hearts and lives, Lord God. Father, with the with the word of God, in every place we go, Lord God, in everything that we do, Lord God, in regards to the kingdom, Lord Jesus. Father, just give us that urgency in our spirit, Lord God, and that urgency, Lord God, birthed out of an expectancy, Lord God, of the moment in which we we live and the things that you're about to do lord god in our midst lord god and we thank you for all these things lord god in jesus' name amen 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 and amen if, if folks if you weren't uh, on last night for the raven nation i'm going i i recorded the the the, the the I guess you caught the program last night, and especially the dialogue that Pastor Alex and I were talking about about really this what we feel like this mandate is going after this this generation and uh, really, like never before, uh, God has just been speaking to us to really to be reaching out to the young people and to raise them up and to mentor them to be really the sparks of revival in these last days. And uh, I'm going to post that this afternoon on the on my Blogspot, which Deb will put that up there, RavenOutreach.blogspot.com. I'll have that available. Uh, it'll be in one of our old formats, so excuse if there's some risque stuff that's around there. That's not my intention at all. But uh, I'm going to put that in the old format because we don't have the new one up yet. But I just want to make that available for you for download and uh, to to hear what I'm talking about. We're going to what we're doing is we're planning for you guys that are listening live. We're we're going to be doing a Raven Revolution nine days that we're bringing young people in. Uh, into the city of Daytona between the the dates, what is that, Deb? The 20, June June twenty seventh through July sixth, nine days of just investing into the, their lives, uh, bring, raise them up early for prayer and, and teaching, instruction in the Word of God, and uh, then taking them into various places around the city. Uh, uh, one of the things I, I just really feel is I want to take them into some of these convalescent homes. I want them to see that generation that was before them. I want them to see uh, that there's, there's people that we can draw wisdom from, that, that we can uh, glean from and take them in and begin to do that. Why? Because the Word says that, that pure religion, undefiled before God, is to visit the widows and the fatherless and their afflictions and to keep ourselves unspotted from the world. And so we want to bring them back to that. And so we're going to do that, invest in them, uh, take them out in the community, uh, then teach them, train them, take, bring them into a place and teach them how to hear The voice of God. Not just to offer endless petitions of prayer, but to teach them the word of God. Then take them back out to the streets in the evening times and in various locations around the city as well. So be praying about that. I believe in God's going to assemble a group of young people, literally like an Elisha generation. We talked about Elisha always needs Elijah. And he invested in him. And, you know, there were seven uh, miracles that were noted that Elijah did, but 13 that Elisha did. Incredible things. And and many of them were similar. And even in his death, it says that a man was thrown into his grave and just... His touching elisha 's bones raised him up, in other words, that testimony of his life and I believe that there 's going to be some some young people that are going to be raised up, and like i 've said like the like the Evan Roberts and the George Muellers and the George Whitfields and the Jonathan Edwards and the charles finneys and the and the uh, uh, john and charles wesleys i 'm believing God is going to begin to raise up that type of people in generation, but it 's going to take us investing into them. so be praying about that, pray for them if you know somebody'd like to be involved, or if you 'd like to come and spend that time here in the city as well and help invest in them man we 'd love to have you for a day two. Ten, nine, whatever it is that we're going to be doing that as well. So be praying about that, and I'm just believing God is going to spark revival in a generation of young people to begin to go back into their campuses and uh, out in the streets and, and begin to do the things that, that that God is calling them to do in this day and age. So be praying about that. We're going to be jumping into Romans chapter 12, verse 17. Verse 12, chapter 12, verse 17. You know, we've just been talking about that Paul the Apostle gave us this great, these great doctrinal truths of these, uh, of, of, in the book of Romans. We've called it the Magna Carta, really the, the basis for everything within Christianity. And why I love teaching through the book of Romans is because, you know, in these 16 chapters, you can, you can go through and it lays a foundation and a framework for for all of the scripture really because it, Paul the Apostle as, as learned as he was in the, the Jewish customs under the law probably in his day and age there was few people that probably equaled him in, in, in terms of biblical scholarship I mean he knew his stuff and you can look at his uh, his credentials there in the third chapter of the book of Philippians he says who he was and what he did and hmm. just his training and just his understanding and just the really God had just gifted him and given him such a brilliant mind even in the natural then you take that individual getting filled with the spirit of God and, and, and seeing the things that he saw and getting the great revelation an incredible uh, uh, outpouring that, that he brought and he, he summed it all up really in these, this, this Roman letter and so it's been a, a tremendous time. You see those doctrines, but this twelfth chapter really tells us not just the doctrines, not just what's right, but teaches us how to do it righteously as well. And I love that about Paul the Apostle. You can just look at his ministry, and look at his character. And that's what it was always is always about. was it was always somebody that was laying his life down. He preached a tremendous truth. He preached a hard word, if you know, if you want to say it many times. But you could always just see the character of Christ coming through. It was obvious. You look you look how he opens nearly every one of his books and his epistles. And it's just that Adoration and the love and just the longing to to be with the brethren, even the ones that he had to go and rebuke. You know, I think about the things that he had to do when he he would go in and bring correction to like the church at Corinth. But you could always see there was just a longing for them. It wasn't in a, in a, to, uh, it was not in a repulsive way. He certainly he wanted to repudiate the error, but it was a, a longing to see a correction for them. So he just lay his life down for them. And really, folks, that is such a lesson that that needs to be learned by us uh, uh, in this day and age. And so. We're looking at this 12th chapter and it's telling us how to walk out and to live out the character of Christ Jesus in regards to the doctrines that he is. If we're going to remain steadfast in the apostles' doctrines, then we've got to do the rest. We've got to remain in fellowship, breaking bread, and instant in prayer for the great fear of the Lord to come upon us so we can see great signs and wonders done. And so He brings us to this place in verse 17. And he tells us, and really it's a t- tough verse, he says, uh, Recompense to no man evil for evil, provide things honest in the sight of all men. And it, I think the verse is kind of interesting to me because it can easily really be uh, uh, misinterpreted. When you talk about provide things honest in the sight of all men, a lot of times people uh, want it to mean something that it doesn't. When Paul makes the statement that we should not, though, recompense evil for evil, what he is saying is that we as believers should never take the world's attitude of Basically, I guess you could say, if you burn me, so now I'm going to burn you. That's what he's saying. You cannot do that eye for an eye. We, we can't take that mentality. And so the heart of a believer should always be that of Christ Jesus, uh, whose heart was always summed up. You think about Luke uh, 23, 34, as they crucified Jesus between the two thieves, what did he say? He didn't say, Father, get them. Look how dirty they did me. Did he say that? Absolutely not. He said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. And folks, shouldn't that be our attitude when someone wrongs us? Father, forgive them. Rather than, oh, I can't believe they did that. Now think about how many times we say stuff like that. They, shouldn't have done, they should not have known better. Now, you're a Christian. You shouldn't have done that. Now, now look who Jesus was speaking to. You know, he was not even speaking to them, but he was speaking to the to the people that followed him. Think about his disciples that were that were hiding out and keeping their distance so they wouldn't be He said, Father, forgive them. They don't they don't realize what they're doing. They don't even understand the consequences of it. Now, folks, you know what? I pray to have that type of heart and attitude. I do. I want that to be exuded from everything that I say and do. I want me to be able to look at people and say, Lord oh, God, the reason they're doing this is that because they just do not know. They don't understand what they're saying and what they're doing. And I want I want to say, Father, forgive them. Lord God, have mercy upon them. Don't 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 measure out evil for evil, Lord God, but measure out good for evil, Lord God. You know the word tells us that He doesn't reward us according to our transgressions. So why is it that we always want to reward someone else according to theirs? I want God to measure out mercy to me. And so they did evil to him. Obviously we're talking about Luke uh, twenty three, thirty-four, but he refused to recompense evil back to them. But really just the opposite. What did he do? He exhibited mercy to those who had been Merciless. Let me ask you this. Do you find yourself giving mercy and extending mercy to the merciless? Or do you find yourself only saying, you know what? Uh, I'm only giving mercy to those that, that 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 deserve it. I'm only going to show uh, grace to those that, that deserve it. Uh, but I'm going to I'm going to uh, wield my my own personal judgment upon those that don't, folks. I, we we get if we really we begin to look at the character of Christ Jesus. You know, think about what the word says. It says God judges no man, but God commits all judgment unto the hand of His Son Jesus. And it says that Jesus said that I came not into the world to condemn the world or to judge the world, but that the world through Him might be what saved. And, you know, the judgment's already there. This is the judgment or the condemnation that light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. There's a great judgment or a consequence of sin that's upon the world. And and certainly the word uh, tells us to judge righteous judgment. But a lot of times the, the most righteous judgment is called mercy. You think about that just for a second, the most righteous judgment many times that we can give to other people is mercy, because you know what that does? That brings things into perspective because the thing about most people most people aren't totally ignorant and so if somebody wrongs me and rather than inflicting righteous judgment back upon them it, uh, to to uh, to recompense evil for evil, if I do judge, if I uh, bring mercy instead of judgment that's probably deserved. What happens, it, 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 it accentuates what they've done and it, by, because what happens is, is my mercy illuminates upon the issue and it brings it all into the light. Folks, listen, the word tells us that whatsoever things are made manifest are made manifest by the light and these things are light. And so, really, that's exactly what Jesus did. And, and, and really, where, where is your heart in that today? Do you find yourself giving back evil when you're being treated in an evil way? Or do you, can you honestly say, praise God, you know what, God? When people do me wrong, I make it a point to go overboard in grace and mercy for, for them. Do you find yourself doing that? Or do you find yourself pushing them back and getting in arm's reach and say, you know what, I'm just not going to put myself in a position to get burned again. I'm glad Jesus didn't do that for me, folks. I'm glad that Proverbs tells me that a righteous man even falls seven times, but it's the Lord that picks him up. That how many times should we forgive our brother who sinned against us seven times? No. 70 times 7, as much as it takes. And so, do you say to yourself, listen, God, I go overboard. Man, when somebody wrongs me, man... I do more for them. When, when somebody borrows something from me and doesn't give it back, you know what I do? I give them my coat and my cloak. I give them more. And I don't keep that record of wrong. Folks, that's the attitude in the heart that Jesus has for every single one of us. And so that's what he did on the cross. He suffered what he did not deserve so that we would not have to suffer what we do deserve. Do you hear what I'm saying? And so I want to see that. And I want to see that type of thing. I don't want to recompense evil for evil, but I want to turn the tables on, 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 on evil with righteousness coming. You think about this, the world had become so evil in that 4,000 years since the fall of Adam to the, the birth of Christ. And so rather than God saying, you know what, I'm going to fix these cookies. I'm going to cook them and I'm going to burn them. What did he do? He sent the greatest example of good and of mercy upon the world. He sent his son Jesus. And you notice Jesus didn't come with the, the armies with their, 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 their shields uh, shining and their, their, their swords clamoring. What did he do? He sent one that came and healed all their sickness and disease. He, he went to the, to the, to the vile. He went to the wicked. He went to the publican and the sinner and he showed mercy upon them. Folks, listen, I think there's a great lesson that we can obviously learn from the life of Christ Jesus as we walk out the ministry that he's entrusted into our hands as ministers of reconciliation. So, recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. So, provide things honest in the sight of all men. You know, folks, a lot of times, anytime you mention, honesty or provide you know people always want to put a financial twist on that and it's really not talking about money at all in this case what paul is dealing with here as is he's been throughout this chapter is the character of individuals you know many people try to get by on reputation you know what reputation is how other people view you or what other think people think about you but character is who you really are you know, reputation people say, you know what, that's who they are, that's what they did, or, or that's, I heard a story about them, and they think something about you. It's kind of, you know what, many people in, in, in Christianity get by on, what do you call it, dime novel Christianity. You know, what I'm talking about those dime novels that they had back in the cowboy days. You know, they'd, they'd get some reporter, that they would go and write a story about uh, uh, Billy the Kid or Jesse James, and they would send them dime novels back to the East, and people would read these things. You know, Billy the Kid went into town and guns blazing, and within seconds, you know, he shot down 25 people. Well, how did he do that? You know, those guns only held six six in a cylinder, and you know, if he had two of them, that's just 24. But those dime novels, what they did is they created this reputation. So many people would go and they'd be seeking out these outlaws or whatnot, and they'd have this great reputation. But that's all it was. It was just what somebody else thought. About it, but you know the, the, what they, those people were—they weren't heroes; they were cowards. But the dime novel made heroes out of lying, murderous cowards, folks. It, what's sad, though, is our, our dime novel Christianity makes heroes out of spiritual cowards, is what it does. You know, I don't want to—I don't want to have some reputation of Christ likeness, but don't not de- de- uh, demonstrate Christ. You know, it, it's, what cowardice is—is is that is cowardice is returning evil for evil? What? 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 What what the heroic at, attitude of the believer is what he's talking about there in the first verse of this 12th chapter is I'm I'm, laying, I'm offering myself as a living sacrifice I'm giving up in other words, I'm not giving back what somebody deserves I'm giving back what they don't deserve I'm giving back what Christ Jesus did for us and so, so when he says provide all things honest in the sight of men he's saying if you're going to call yourself a saved individual then you need to act like a saved individual that's really all he's saying all the time and in every circumstance. If I say I'm born again, I need to live like I'm born again. If I say I'm saved, I need to live like I'm saved. If I say I'm delivered, I need to live a delivered life. If I say that, that, that this is the victory that overcomes even my faith, you know how I need to live? I need to live just like that. Do I need to live like that part of the time? No. Do I need to live like that most of the time? No, I need to live like that all of the time, if I genuinely want to walk in, in honesty and provide things honest in the sight of men. And so what the, what the Holy Spirit has really entreated and addressed me as lately, both personally and to the body of Christ, is, is at large is this, this selective Christianity mentality that we slip into. And this is where we want people to imitate the areas in which we're strong, but we want them to ignore the areas in which we're weak. Now think about that for just a second. We want people to, to really focus in and to imitate or to notice or to heap accolades on those areas that we're strong. And we just kind of want those areas that we're weak or we have personal or character deficiencies in, just ignore those things. Just focus on where I'm strong. Now I've long called it for many years, and I've talked about some of you about it, ministering from our position of strength into another person's position of weakness. And folks, you can't do that. What I mean by that is if i got a real high area of strength in the area of my life and you've got a weakness, if I'm standing up for you if I'm lording that over you just because I'm, I'm strong, and But maybe I've got an area of weakness over here, and I want you to, to to ignore that one, so I can constantly be the one that's the heavy. I want to be the one that's in charge. I want to, be, folks, listen. That's just not Christ like whatsoever. What did Christ done? He said that he thought it not robbery to come and be made in the form of sinful flesh to come down as a man. He became God with us, rather than seated sitting upon the throne and say, "Listen, I told you all these things, and I expect you to do it." Now I'm about to crush you with the fierceness of the wrath of the Almighty God. What did he said? I'm going to come and dwell among them. I'm going to humble myself even to the form of a servant when's the last time you said to yourself listen you got up in the morning and said man today my goal is to humble myself and i want to take on the form of a servant lord god teach me how to get walked on teach me how to lay down my life teach me lord god how to how to take being spat upon lord god teach teach me lord god how to decrease that you can. is that what you say or do you say lord god teach me how to get in somebody's face and, and set the record straight and, and do it folks listen Too much of that Too much of that in my life Too much of that in in most of our lives And we have this, this selective Christianity That we only want Christianity to apply where we want it to And so another term for that What we're talking about is deflection And deflection is when we are confronted by personal failures And instead of dealing with our issues We deflect the issue by trying to turn the tables On the person which is confronting us And we make the comparison That their shortcomings Are of a greater evil or consequence Than my shortcomings You ever seen that happen? I've seen it witnessing on the streets. You know, you're dealing with somebody. And, and, well, what about you? Are you saying you never sin? Are you saying this? Well, we're not talking about me right now. We're talking about you. I'm asking where you're at. And it's, it's deflection. And so even people that are in backslidden state, what they want to do is they want to take the, the attention off of them and put it upon you. So rather than asking, uh, answering the question, what they do is they provide another question. That way it puts you in the hot seat of having to answer that. But folks, the only way you can overcome deflection is called righteousness. It's, 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 it's providing all things honest in the sight of men. Had a, had a man the other night we were witnessing to on the streets. And he asked me a question. I can't even remember exactly what it was. And he said, "You can't." He said, "Well, you can't tell me you don't struggle in this area." And I said, "Well, no, I really don't. I don't. I've got total victory on that." And he threw his hands up and he just walked away. I don't. I'm done with your conversation. Why was he done with that? Because he tried to deflect onto somebody else. To, to, to validate his own sin. But that just didn't happen to be an area that I, I had to struggle with. And so he didn't want to deal with it because he thought maybe I can focus on your, 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 your shortcoming. That way I don't have to deal with my own. Folks, we just cannot do that. That is not providing all things honest in the sight of men. In, in the biblical sense, what that's called is hypocrisy. You know, and we call it in our street terminology, we call it posing, we call it bootlegging, we, we call it a lot of different things, but it's just hypocrisy in, 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 the, in the spiritual sense of the word. It's when I say I'm going to do one thing, but I really don't do it. I, I draw nigh to him with my lips and my heart is far from him. We see it in the Old Testament, I believe it's the 11th chapter of the book of Leviticus. You know, it's not, not often we get to quote from the book of Leviticus, but you see the sons of Aaron who came in and they offered a strange fire in uh, Nadab and Abihu with their names. And what they did, it was hypocrisy. They came in in a drunken state, and they were going through the motions of this sacrifice, but their hearts were wrong. They were trying to get by on the character of being the sons of Aaron. But what happened? The Spirit of God, which is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of a man's heart, came in and convicted them and said they were consumed by the very fire that they were trying to offer up. And folks, listen, we don't want to be consumed by the very fire that we're offering up, the fire of the altar of God, the fire of God's Word, the fire of His presence. Because what will end up happening is is with that same judgment that we measure out, it's going to be measured back to us. And so we need to measure out in holiness. We need to measure out in, in mercy. We need to measure out in righteousness. We need to measure out in what? Providing all things... Excuse me, honest in the side of men. And so, folks, what we've got to do is we've got to endeavor to always walk in consistent Demonstration of the character of Christ Jesus in everything that we say and do, because there is a world out there that really is observing us, and they're looking for an example of how to walk righteously in the Christian faith. That's what they're looking for. They're looking for examples, and so anytime we we open our mouth, whatever we do, we need to walk in 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 demonstration, a consistent demonstration of the character of Christ Jesus, and because that is really what the world is wanting to measure us by. It says in verse eighteen of, of Romans chapter twelve, it says, and I love this one. Uh, This verse here says, if it be possible, as much as lieth in you, as much as it's inside of you, live peaceably with all men. What's interesting about this verse here is it seems to kind of give us an out by using the terminology, if it be possible, and as much as lieth in you. But you'll find out that this is not uh, a way out. But rather it puts the responsibility upon you to do as much as you can within the realm of peace, apart from what others bring to the occasion. And that's exactly what he's saying. He said, listen, it's on you. Uh, if it be possible, as much as inside of you live peaceably with all men. So he's saying, listen, even when they don't want to, even when they're disagreeable, he said, you know what, you can't do nothing about what they do. Your responsibility is you. You've got to, you've got to do your part of it. And so, you know, I, I have conversations like this all the time. Well, you know what, where well, there's a situation, what do I need to do? Well, you just need to continue to walk in righteousness. You just need to maintain who you are and not let what somebody else's offense or somebody else's sin or somebody else's wickedness... Uh, 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 dictate who you are in Christ you need to do whatever mu- whatever's possible as much as is in you not to what's inside of them to live peaceably with all men you have no control folks over the actions of others but you do have control over that which is inside of you why can I say that? well because I've read Hebrews chapter 12 verses 11 through 14 I'll read them to you he says now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present but painful anybody got an amen on that? He said, nevertheless, after it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. What does that chastening do? It it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. You know, I want to be trained by that peaceable fruit of righteousness that's mentioned here in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11 through 14. He said, therefore, strengthen the hands which hangs down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet so that that which is lame may not be dislocated but rather healed. In other words, where you have uh, shortcomings, he said we need to let God heal those things. When, when those things are are, are, are out of uh, sorts, when you're hindered or you're crippled spiritually, he said what you need to do is, uh, is to strengthen those hands that hang down and, and heal the feeble knees and to make straight paths for your feet. In other words, put you on that place where, where you're not just always wishy-washy going from side to side but there is a consistent predictability in your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ where does that come that comes from uh, the chastening hand of God which seems painful uh, but it's going to bring joy in the end of the day and it yields that peaceable fruit of righteousness then what does he say in verse 14 he's saying the same thing in verse 14 that he said uh, right here in in, in Romans chapter, uh, uh, chapter 12 verse 18 he said pursue peace with all people and holiness because without them no one will see the Lord. And so, folks, all of this stuff—what it does—it deals with the fact that as, as, as that we as believers have a responsibility—that is, the ability to respond righteously to every single situation that we're faced with. And so, how do I how do I how do I discern or or judge whether I'm uh, pursuing peace with all people or if I'm responding in righteousness? Because righteousness will always begat Righteousness. Do you hear what I'm saying? You're always going to uh, reproduce after your own kind. And you know, he says there, if it be possible. Now, Mark nine twenty three, Jesus tells us that what all things are possible to them that believe. And so, if if I if I'm looking at that, if it be possible, if I'm a genuine believer, if I'm providing uh, all things honest in the sight of men, what 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 can I say? You know what? It is possible. I do have the ability. I can walk in, 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 in peace with all men. I can walk in, in holiness. I can walk in the character of Christ in all things. Why? Because if I really believe... And so, folks, listen. Your possibilities will always be directly connected to your believing. I want to say that again. Your possibilities are always tied or connected to your believing. And so if, if, if I say something's impossible, I just can't do that, what I'm saying is I do not believe. And so all things are not possible to me because I do not. Believe, because if I believe, as the Scripture says, it says, "Out of my belly, out of my innermost being, is going to flow rivers of living water." The, the, the water, the spirit, the spirit of God is going to flow out of me. Otherwise, if I don't believe, it becomes abated by my own sinful nature. It begins, begins, uh, be, be abated by by my own hypocrisy and my own uh, wrath and my own vengeance. All these things that He's talking about that I should not take upon myself. And so, if, if a situation comes up where you do not think that you can overcome it, then what you need to do is examine your own belief or your own faith. Rather than that of other people. See, so what we want to do is. We want to turn the tables and say. Well the reason I can't do this is because of you. The reason I can't have joy is because of you. The reason that I can't have peace is because of you. The reason that I can't have victory is because of you. The reason that I'm not producing fruit is because of you. The reason that I can't walk in righteousness is because of you. The reason that I can't get to that place in Jesus that I need to be, be at. Is because of you. And folks, we can't ever be at that place. We've got to come to the point of saying, you know what, God? That it's because of me. It's because of my lack of belief. It's because of my lack of faith that I'm not demonstrating the qualities of Christ Jesus and the holiness and righteousness of God. And so I've got to look and see where do I fail in my believing. And so, folks, really, I really encourage you to do that. As Paul's bringing us to this 12th chapter, these 21 verses, really a self-examination and saying, God, what is it that you want me to look at in my heart and life that's going to bring me to that place? Of believing what is hindering my belief system what's hindering the character of Christ Jesus who's alive in my life then he says in verse 19 of romans chapter 12 he says dearly beloved avenge not yourselves but rather give place unto wrath for it is written vengeance is mine i will repay you saith the lord you know i love the king james bible that's obviously what i use i read at it all the time but some of these if you don't really look at it within the context and you'll see these things like Uh, If it be possible, as much as is in you, you're you're going to get the opposite idea of what it's talking about. And right here's another one of those instances, but rather give place under wrath. Oh, okay, I can give place to it. I can I can have a place of wrath. but It's just the opposite. He says, dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves. Folks, listen, this is tough because we always want others to know our position, uh, especially when we think we're right. And so it's tough. We want people to know we want to be able to argue our point. We want to defend ourselves. But sometimes, folks, we just need to shut our yap, so to speak, and allow the Holy Spirit to deal with the situation. You know, we always want to stand up and prove our point and shake our fist at heaven and say this this and that. And and, and sometimes we just need to be quiet. You know, a man that bridle[s] his tongue, the word says, is like unto a perfect man. And, And sometimes when we try to avenge ourselves... Uh, what we're doing is we're taking Jesus out of the equation and we're investing unrighteousness into a situation that could possibly be righteous and, and yield the fruit of righteousness in and of itself. And it's tough because we want to prove our point. We want to, to be, make, our, make our voice known. And you know, I've seen this so many times over, over 20 years of, of Christian ministry, pastoral ministry, when my flesh wanted to rise up. But my spirit man spoke to me and he said, just be still and wait. Just wait. Just trust me and really i 've tried to. i 've tried to and not always do I do this, but i 've always tried to just just to wait to be still and allow God to, to speak and allow God to, to do what he wants to do and it 's that patience patient endurance. And and folks, I don't know how many times I've probably said this in 173 lessons. that that I've, I've tried to tell you, guys, you've got to be patient with God. You've got to trust Him. Patience is always going to be tied to trust. And so if I'm trusting the Lord with all my heart, not leaning on my own understanding, if I acknowledge Him in all of my ways, then He'll direct my path. But I've got to start out with that place that I'm not going to avenge myself. I don't always have to make the point. I know when I was pastoring in, in Texas and, and, and left there, uh, you know, I, I left a church and a work that, man, I'd labored in for many, many years. And after I left, you know, people that, quote unquote, I'd left an authority over it began to, to speak evil of me. You know, in the natural, I mean, I wanted to go back there and set the record straight. But the Spirit of God just would not allow me to do that. You know, they cast dispersions on me and said I was this and that. And, and, and I never did. Have the opportunity or never want the opportunity to go back to them and say, listen, you were wrong. Or you said this or that. But you know what? It, it wasn't me that had to change my tune. Because I walked in that patience endurance. But one by one, many of those individuals came back and said, hey, listen, we were wrong. And they back involved in the ministry or whatever else. Folks, you've got to let a lot of that stuff just play out. I know we want to expedite these things and do it in our timing, but uh, a lot of times when we get, begin to do that, we, we miss what God uh, wants to do and what God wants to accomplish in the situation. So let me just say this, just calm down. Calm down a little bit. Don't get, a, don't get ahead of God. Just be obedient unto Him and, and, and just be inclined to hear that still, small voice at that moment. For me, folks, because I am aggressive by nature and I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm somebody that's a visionary for me, I always want to rush ahead. So I I honestly, I have to pull back the restraints on a regular basis. I have had to learn to do that because it's easy for me to launch ahead of things and uh and do things outside of the the really the timing of what God wants to do. And so I've had to learn that and I know you can learn it as well. But just Calm down. Trust God. Believe Him. And see, I believe that He's got a, a plan bigger than the plan that I have. That He knows the end from the beginning, so He's going to do those things for me. So we just got to learn to kind of rest and, and, and rest in the press. We talked about this the last few days. We've got to rest in that place of tribulation. We've got to say, Lord God, if this is it, praise God that this is it. I'm willing to endure because I know on the other side of it, whatever it is, there's a promise for me. And that you're going to be there with me through it. And so... The Spirit of God, honestly, you know, sometimes in my life, He'll show up and He'll bring that swift correction to me and wake me up and not allow me to avenge myself. And what that does is that keeps me from opening the door to more calamity. And so folks, when we try to avenge ourselves, which means to vindicate one's right or do justice for oneself, what we are doing is taking God out of His exalted place as the Lord of our lives and we begin to assume that role. Now think about what I just said. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourself, but rather give place in the wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will pray to you. When you begin to step into that role that belongs to him, what you're doing is you're trying to assume the role of the Lord of your own life. And so what that means is this. What it is, it's a violation of really the, the first commandment. To have no other God before me. Now think about that for a second. When I begin to avenge myself. I'm saying that I am God. Because that is God's job. And that's God's responsibility. And so I violate the first commandment. And I make a God of my own self. I make a God of my own offense. I make a God of my own impatience. So to speak. You know it's easy to point at the the false gods of other people. But what about when God begins to reveal the false gods of our own selves. Folks listen. I've been guilty of that. Time and time again, but I want to be guilty of that less and less all the time as I cease to try to avenge myself and I walk in this consistency and a patience in hearing the voice of God, that, that the, of what He wants to speak to me. Then He goes and say, But rather give place unto wrath. Really, what that means is it doesn't mean that, that you, you, you have a place for it, but it rather means it, it means to put it where it needs to be put. It means to, to, to put wrath where it needs to be put, and which is not in your own hands. Do you hear what I'm saying? He says, So, he says, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. In other words, you let God handle the wrath. You put wrath, and you put that type of thing in its proper place. It's not yours to touch. It, it's not yours to consume. It's not yours to hold on to. And he says, you've got to put those things in their proper place. Folks, wrath apart from God is unrighteousness. Okay? Wrath in our hands will un- only produce unrighteousness. Why do I say that? I'm Quoted the scripture time and time again. James one twenty, for the wrath of man does not work the righteousness of God. Regardless of how well intended it is, regardless of how much Bible we have, regardless of of, of 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 what title we have in front of our name, whatever it is, the wrath of man will never work the righteousness of God. And so, what we've got to do is take the message of the cross and take the message of of transformation, the message of repentance, and allow God. Because what is it? God is the one that says, "Vengeance is mine; I will repay." saith the Lord. In other words, this is my responsibility what God is saying. He said it's mine and mine alone. I'm the one who judges righteously based upon the inward parts. Folks really it's it's touchy, it's tricky because we want to always assume that role and we've got to allow the, the work of the Holy Spirit to begin to deal in hearts and lives just like he's dealt in ours. And so Romans 1220 says this. Uh, and, and once again, you know, this whole twelfth chapter of the book of Romans kind of messes up our, our whole our, our whole line of thinking. He says, Therefore if, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If your enemy's hungry, tell him, listen, you got what you deserved. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him if he's thirsty give him something to drink for in doing so you will reap coals of fire on his head folks listen that's exactly what he's talking about if somebody wrongs you what do you do you 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 give them what they need in other words that's the, that's the whole christ-like perspective and you think about the coals of fire on their head that's used a couple of times here in the book of Romans what it does it brings it's what it's like is when they would take the, the the coals of fire off the brazen altar what it would do is they would take that and they would put it on the altar of incense and it would rise up as a prayer before God. And so what ends up happening is when I take those, when I when I feed my enemy when he's hungry, when I when I give him something to drink when he's thirsty, what it ends up doing is I've, I've created of him, altar of incense. Now think about that for just a second. I've made my enemy become an altar of incense and he's become the place where my prayers are going to originate from. Now think about that just for a 2nd Boy, Isn't that contrary to what we want to do in the natural? I don't, want to, I don't want to make a place of judgment of my enemy, but I want to make a place of righteousness of my enemy. Agree with your adversary quickly, unless he come to you and tear you to pieces. Think about, think about the Scriptures that tell us. And so if I'm feeding him when he's hungry, if I'm uh, giving him something to drink when he's thirsty... Really what I'm doing is I'm making that place where my prayers are going to rise off to him. And so that altar of incense, it was that aroma. And so to him, he's going to always have to smell the presence of God. He's always going to have to acknowledge the the holiness of God and the the mercy of God in those situations. It's always going to be at that place that he's going to have to come into that place of deep conviction. Because he's not in his mind going to be able to, to, to reconcile the fact that he knew what he did to me. But in, 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 spite of that, what was I doing? I was walking in righteousness and holiness and forgiveness towards him. So therefore, if your enemy hungry, give him something to eat. If he's thirsty, give him drink. In doing so, you'll reap coals of fire upon his head. If he, if he, if he, if he, uh, takes advantage of you, let him take advantage of you some more. You know, we don't want to do that. We want the burn me once, shame on me, burn me twice, shame on you type of mentality to dictate everything that we do. But folks, really, when it comes right down to it, we've got to lay our lives down. Every single day. So if he hungers, do that. It's going to heap coals of fire upon their heads. And really the last verse of of chapter 12 is, Be not overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. You know, probably the best example of that that I can think of in the Scripture, apart obviously from Jesus, is the life of Joseph. You don't look at Joseph... What what that ended up doing, and you you see, all of these twenty-one verses are talking about character. They're talking about the character of an individual and what will be the the results of the type of character that that we walk in. That, and so Joseph was obviously the the the, one of the youngest, uh, the second to the youngest brother. And so he went to his his dad loved him so much, made him a, a coat of many colors. You've heard the story, and his brothers hated him as a result of that, and they threw him into the pit. Then we we see the the uh, I believe it was the Midianites that came by, and he ended up selling them selling Joseph into slavery, and Joseph got was sent into slavery, and he was ended up selling the house of Potiphar and became you know a governor in Potiphar's house, and Potiphar's wife accused him and all these things and what he do man he 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 would not touch that stuff, and so uh, he ended up uh, being sold into, uh went to prison in, in Egypt, and through a chain of events God raised him up and he was before uh, Pharaoh and God put him in that second place. Then as time went by, what happened? His brothers came, the same ones that that, that 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 were vengeful towards him. And what did he tell them? Right here, he said, "What what you meant for evil, God has meant for good." And so he was not overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. What ended up happening? He could have said to them, I mean, he had the power and the position to say, "Listen, time for time for you guys to to to, to pay it back. Now you're going in, into prison. Now you're going to be a slave. Now you." But what did he do? He loved them. He fed them. He clothed them. And as a result, what did it do? It brought great uh, victory for Israel. It came, brought them out of a time of famine. Not only that, all the people that were around him were blessed as a result. And, and folks, listen, we, sometimes we get so short-sighted in that, and we think we're going to cut people off. We're not going to have anything to do with them because of what they did to us. We need to have that same heart that Joseph had. You know, or the same heart that Jesus had. Look at his people that were far from him for thousands of years. But what did he do? He, he became Christ among us. He became God with us, Emmanuel. And, and, and folks, we need to walk and maintain that same type of character. Because it's so easy to, uh, to, to want our own vengeance, to want our own way. And to, to cut people off that they either wrong us or we don't agree with. Or, or, or it's difficult for us to deal with. Folks, listen. We need to overcome evil even if that evil is within our own ranks of Christianity, we need to overcome it with the goodness of God. And the goodness of God, His kindness, what's it going to do? It's going to lead us to repentance. It's tough. It's a difficult thing. But, folks, it's really something we need to endeavor to get a hold of because of the character of Christ Jesus. And so that whole 12th chapter is about developing that godly character, given us the, the, the character in order to, to wield the doctrine. Folks, listen, if you if you've understood the first 11 chapters, but you can't have the heart and the attitude of the 12th chapter, just close your Bible. Don't even try to do the first 11. Why? Because you're going to become just like the Pharisees. You are you're going to become hardened in heart. You're not going to have the right uh, uh, attitude in it. You've got to have one that everything that I do is in self-denial. Everything that I do is for is what we talked about. It's, it's altruism. It's, I'm living my life for the benefit of other people. What can I do? How can I lay my life down? How can I be the one that, 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 that takes it on the cheek, so to speak? How can I do that? That should be the reward. That should be your goal. Your goal should never be, I want to get to the highest place of exaltation, but your goal is God, how can I become a greater servant today? How can I, Lord God, be a greater example of the character of Christ Jesus that when I get, uh, somebody spits in my face, Lord God, or slaps me on one cheek, I offer the other, Lord God, and I bless them rather than curse them. So that's the, that's, that's the conclusion of the, that 12th chapter. And, uh, I'm not going to start the 13th chapter today. I don't have much time anyway. But uh, I want to start that, that 13th chapter uh, once again. And it really kind of goes on and it continues that. The 12th chapter really kind of gives us the framework and the skeleton of the character of Christ. And you'll see in 13 and 14, they'll be talking about the exact same type of things. I want to read the 13th verse 1. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. For there is no power but of God, and the, the powers that be ordained of God. And so what we're going to be get to talk about is leadership and becoming subject these things that we really, we, we say we like, but we really don't like. When somebody begins to call us out and we g- begin to get corrected by those powers that God has put up. We don't like it, really. We, we don't. Because it rubs us wrong and we think that we ought to be able to call the shots ourselves. So we're going to get into that. Uh, some of you may not show up tomorrow. I shouldn't have tipped my hand. No, not really. I know that you will. Anyway, folks. uh Really, if we walk in this walk in righteousness, God's got to you, of course. i got such a, a, a good bit of advice for you today as the depart, though, as I do every single day. Why don't you get into God's Word, and God's Word will get into you.